Hi everybody, it's Richard Zucker, The Green Peak. And joining us this week, we have Chase Eastman, who's the founder and CEO of RootWorks, a training compliance management and e-learning platform for the cannabis industry. Welcome aboard, Chase. Hello, thank you for having me. So Chase, I mean, compliance um, with regards to the cannabis industry has two different fronts. There's the financial compliance, which is, you know, one big challenge for a lot of companies, but everybody has to adhere to it very closely. And then there's the compliance issues, which vary state to state and internationally between different jurisdictions. And that's the area you're tackling, correct? Yes, sir. That is correct. And so tell us a bit about what brought you to compliance, because it's in many ways sometimes the most overlooked area for producers to uh, create high quality cannabis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've I've kind of grown up in compliance. Uh, my family uh, founded a company called Alchemy Systems uh, about twenty years ago. That was a food training and compliance company uh, that that was focused on the food industry, doing training and compliance. And so it's it's been in my blood for quite some time. Uh, and we're my again, my family and I are very passionate about the cannabis uh, industry as a whole. Uh, and it felt like this was the best way that we could could support the industry and and what's going on uh, in this in this vertical. So we're bringing the kind of twenty years of experience and and best practice we've and lessons learned uh, in doing compliance in food manufacturing and yep. trying to bring some of that into the into the cannabis space. Well, and that makes a, really a lot of sense because over time you know as, as soon as legalization really does happen which you know maybe a ways off still but hope we all hope it's going to be tomorrow but i'm beginning to be the pessimist view of it's going to be longer um but when it does happen and sometimes even prior if there's a if there's a crisis with the industry the fda is going to step in and take a look at everything how different do you expect the fda standards for food production to be than the ones that are going to be used for cannabis yeah, it's it's really we're we're going through that analysis right now. We're looking at the Sherman Bill, and then our partners are based in Colorado, and so we're looking at some of the things that are going there uh, around mandating SOP training and things of that nature. And so, uh, you know, we we see there there will be a tremendous overlap. There's certain best practices when it comes to manufacturing anything that's going to go into the human body. <laughs> uh, when you talk about cross-contamination and verification and validation and just general best practices that will, without without question, uh, roll into the cannabis space. Um, we're also looking at some of the regulations and things as it relates to tobacco and alcohol. Uh -huh. um, it, you know, there's, there's things that are a little bit different than traditional food in that yep. regard. So we're kind of looking at well, and in some jurisdictions like Canada, uh, cannabis is much more strictly regulated from a production perspective than cannabis is, in terms of the uh, quantity of certain contaminants is that's allowed is much, much lower. Yes, sir. Well, and, and that's where the complexity comes in that the industry is currently facing is, you know, it's times 30 plus states right now have a yep. slightly different interpretation of that. And that's where um, our software is, we, we hope to help simplify the the problem for our customers uh, right. and just organizing that and giving them a, a good place to start uh, as they're looking to take on different markets if they're an MSO or how do they really succeed in a, in a single state operator uh, scenario as well. Of course. And of course, you know, and the single state operator has one set of challenges, but the multi-state operator is going to have 
something completely different in terms of the compliance regulations are going to be different from state to state. How do you address that? Because there should be a global standard. And do you try and bring everybody up to the the same minimum or do you look at it differently? Fascinating question. Uh, I find that I am constantly in a state of trying to find where the line is for generically specific. Uh, And that sounds odd, but it's like, what is best practice across like period, like this should be the minimum. And then the way our solution is is architected is all of the content that we're providing, uh, whether it be training modules or checklists or assessments or audits, um, are templates that can be customized. So we know going in that we're not going to be able to solve every niche use case that exists. So yep. we don't want any of our customers having to start with a blank white screen when they're having to to build out their their training programs or their safety programs. Uh, as it, as it relates to internal auditing or assessing that their things are being done correctly. So everything starts as a template. And then with our partners, Vicente Cedarberg in, Co- in Colorado, um, you know, we'll continue to partner with our customers on building out uh, more and more use cases in the system uh, right. based, on, based on our customers' needs. Yeah, and uh, Christian Cedarberg was on the show just a little while ago. And, you know, one of the things that we did discuss is some of the variance between the different areas, but you touched upon an aspect that I always, you know, when I've built businesses and when I speak with customers who are looking for assistance, you know, going from a consulting perspective or an interim role, you have to train everybody to the highest possible standard you can because you never know what's coming down in the future. And while you don't necessarily want to spend the money on CapEx today for something that might happen tomorrow, if you're not certain that it's going to be needed, from a human capital perspective, the better you train people and the more tools you give them, the longer you're going to be able to run more efficiently and at really at a better value to everybody. 100% agree with you. Uh, you know, there's there are solutions that are currently out there in the market that are excellent compliance solutions for operators. Yep. But their their approach is very documentation centric, right? Mm-hmm. That compliance is a byproduct of having all of the best SOPs documented, and that's part of it. But but we take the approach of putting uh, people first. We think the path, uh, and our solution is is built around the idea of compliance is ensuring that your people know what they need to be doing when they need to be doing it, and that they have the resources available at their fingertips when they need them. Yeah, and, and it then drives to the idea of culture. And uh, that's that's how you ultimately win when it comes to like food safety or just product safety with anything that's edible to a, a human is that safety becomes part of your company's culture at the ground level. And all your employees understand the significance of it um, and are empowered to do the right things. So much of the time you find that individuals are find that they're when an accident happens, they're afraid of getting in trouble or something going wrong. Right. right. Like accidents happen. Right. So if you have the right culture, you you're not blindsided. Uh, you well, see things coming in and can adapt. Well, exactly. You actually have trained people to for all the scenarios. And, you know, culture is one of the biggest things about compliance um, with regards to the benefits is um, everybody in the company it has to be top to bottom. It's not just the people who are handling the plant or the people in the extraction facility who have their area. It's actually across the entire organization people understand why things happen, what to do, 
and how to make it better. So such a, we've it's such a good point. You know, we've found as we've talked to prospects and and uh, looked at various partners that it's it's really fascinating. You can tell there's there's a a group of operators that have had a compliance related issue and have had yep. gone through the problems and everything that entails with fixing that after the fact. And much more those, expensive. And, and that's those, time. It's not just money. It's time. Oh, 100 percent. And then there's those that haven't gone through that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they both acknowledge that compliance is important. But the ones that have gone through it understand the significance of culture, verification a- and validation. And it's a living, breathing thing. It's not a static. I set my SOPs and now I'm done with it. And then the people who haven't are like, yeah, it's great, but we're covered. You know, we we passed. We got our license. All of our SOPs are documented. We're in a good spot. We have exactly. Been. And, you know, that's. I hope they always stay in that case. Um, but as you know, the there's so many unknown variables and so many curveballs that are thrown at this industry that it's it's not if it's when and just be prepared uh, for when it happens so that you have all of your processes and your people know how to react when something goes wrong. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and Chase, we well, I want to come back on this and some of the certifications that are available. Uh, in just a minute after we take a short break. We'll be back on The Green Peak in a minute with Chase Eastman from Rootworks. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with Chase Eastman from Rootworks. And Chase, you know, just before the break, we're talking about the, the cultural aspects. And, you know, one of the things that's going to come more and more into play and is already in play internationally is all the various certifications and i've been through you know a lot of the processes and it's it's not that it's hard it's diligence and Mm. it's not just that you create sops and you have training available it's actually that people across the entire organization learn it but breathe it but understand it is a living breathing thing and you know cgmp is great because it's 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 current, it's commonly updated, it's, you know, it's always updated, as opposed to, let's say, EU GMP, which is phenomenal, um, but is a fixed standard, isn't as evolving as quickly. How do you look at the various uh, certifications? And when you're working with customers in the US, which do you really recommend as being the best for them to plan against? Man, that is a very good question. Um, I'd be lying if I said I had it entirely dialed in and figured out. with where we are in our journey, we're starting with the foundations and and based on the conversations. So we're looking at things like HACCP that are base. um, HACCP isn't the most uh, advanced from maybe a technology perspective, but it's a foundational element across basically every other schema around the idea of hazard analysis and critical control points. Um, Then if our background pulls us towards FISMA, um, which was the Food Safety Modernization Act, which brought in the idea of preventive controls right. as a fun- as a fundamental. And then from there, we're looking at the the various schemas that that you talked about. I mean, we're we're looking at the various ISO um, codexes and how mm-hmm. that comes into play. Yep. Uh, and then we're we're looking, we're going to the FDA, we're pulling all of the CGMP information associated with human food and drugs with the FDA. And in partnership with with the VS crew, we're we're layering kind of that together. 
but starting at the at the foundations and working our way up. So fortunately for us, we haven't had to um, branch in any one direction yet right. and say, okay, we're, we're aligning it with this codex because the foundation and fundamentals are applicable across the board. Uh, but the in industry, we've started having some interesting conversations with CSQ around quality. Mm-hmm. Um, you touched on like the difference between single state operators and multi-state operators earlier. And we found in it, quality control is a massive thing for a multi-state yes. operator. And when you think about manufacturing goods and how your processes and SOPs, um, you know, I, I, I met the, the CEO of, of what 1906 and right. like how they went about it is fascinating. So uh, with outfitting these massive um, trailers that they put on big rigs yep. and just take production with them. So we're, we're, we're trying to pay attention because there's some fascinating innovations in how product manufacturing is being done around quality control. Right. That, uh, you know, we're looking at that closely, but beyond that, I, I don't have a, a definitive this or that um, quite yet. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I ran across, so I built a facility down in South America and did uh, my GACP certification and we put in, um, well, not mine, the, the facility did it, but, uh, you know, it was a team effort with everybody had to be participating. And then, of course, we started setting everything up towards GMP. And the, after I left, the companies proceeded to continue down the road on different paths around it. But I was shocked at firms, which are, let's say, going for EU GMP, but didn't prepare the product as an input to the right standard. So uh. they were very worried about the lab and yep. what the output was because they thought they could sell it for more but they didn't care about what was going in in the first place as close or they didn't pay attention as closely not they didn't care mm-hmm. that I run into that a lot that hurts my soul um, <laughs> that i mean that's an expensive well, yeah, it hurt I mean, the investors pocketbooks too all um, of it <laughs> yeah that one that one i imagine stung pretty bad it's like everything else you have to build from bottom up yeah well and and it's so intri- like when you get like undeclared or undisclosed allergens, uh-huh. I I cannot overstate how much of a pain. Like when when you get into cross contamination and you get into like food manufacturing at scale, right? right? Like um, there's just those kind of like your ingredients and the supply chain of where your ingredients are coming from and having the quality controls of every step along the way. Um, it's so important. Um, it It's why you look at places like Florida and it it's intriguing to see their vertically integrated model and how they're doing licenses, Yep, which prevents some of what we were, what we're just talking about. It, it's it, easier it to track down where that. the point of error is if you control the entire chain. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the things you just mentioned, it is different from compliance is testing. Compliance mm-hmm. is all about the the processes and the procedures, and if you're doing it pro- following the compliance rules you've set properly, you don't have as many or issues with cross contamination. Of course, you still can if there's outside contaminants that leak into your facility. But testing is a whole other aspect to it. Do you? Do, how does your business, which is looking at compliance, tackle that? Yeah. So we we are exploring the idea of a quality module mm-hmm. that would would bring that type of information into play that based on what your product testing results are, it yep. could fire off a series of 
corrective actions, plans or things that you should trigger to start evaluating, especially as you, like the idea of if you establish a, a this is our norm or acceptable norm for a test result. And then you start to see that your results are deviating from it's still passing, right? It's it's you haven't failed a test, but your quality standard isn't you've seen it diminishing from what you want it to be. Yep. You can get into like, hey, you should fire off a an internal audit and do a, a corrective action component and look at an a gap analysis and make sure that your systems aren't off a degree or there's a process step that's being misdone. You're still fine, but giving that ability to get into predictive analytics or insight as opposed to reactionary, we've got a long ways to go before that's a reality, but we're starting to explore that because it's a very real need. Um, and it goes it, back. It's a critical need, I think, especially going forward, not to interrupt, but no, you know, yeah. health, like Health Canada, which is has some of the strictest rules along with Germany coming along. You know, there's a reason that more than half of the production at many or most facilities in Canada ends up being destroyed when it comes require, with requirements of medical cannabis is because a smallest contamination can have a massive effect once you go through extraction and it's concentrated. Mm -hmm. It's again, it, th these are all wonderful examples of critical control points, right? Like that at a fundamental basis is kind of what everything boils down to. And then once you identify it, it's preventive controls against those critical control points. And, and so that's at a fundamental level, that's essentially where we're, we're starting and our tool provides uh, reinforcement and verification validation tools for that operationalize what you're training, right? So it starts with learning, then you flow into checklists that support what you're teaching. And we have assessments that our supervisors are, you know, it rolls up that way. And then it all leads to a corrective action tool. So you create these natural closed compliance loops because that like it, it would be an impossible expectation for someone to set that they're never going to run into one of these problems. It just happens, right? So what you have to do is ensure that you've done everything in your power to have best in class processes to prevent things from happening, even though you know that it's still going to happen and that you yeah. have things defined for when it does happen have a have a plan in place on how you are going to handle this what is your what is your recall strategy what is like all well, of these things are really all, really important you know it's the truism is you know everybody says anything that can happen will happen i mean some people say anything that can go wrong will go wrong but the reality is anything that can happen will happen the thing with compliance and preparation is whether you know what to do when it does to minimize its effect on, on your efforts. Um, Chase, we have to take one more short break, but we'll be Absolutely. back in a moment with Chase Eastman from Rootworks on The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with Chase Eastman from Rootworks. And Chase, you know, before the break, we're talking about all different aspects about testing, compliance, and the like, but for a company that's looking at really engaging and putting in place a proper process, how long does it take to get going? And what's the expectation of how long should it take to put a system in place? Mm. Um, that is a really, really good question. So it it really boils down to how you're staffed as an operator, right? Mm -hmm. There, if you're if you don't have a dedicated compliance person, which a lot of people don't, 
Yep. There are consultants that you can find out there that can come in and help you uh, build like a safety system or a food safety plan. Yep. Uh, if you're looking at various schemas, I would say find the expertise because they'll save you a tremendous amount of time um, <laughs> when you can. But then the other is it's a there's two things. One, that whole uh, the ism of how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? It, it is one step at a time. And you try not to look at tackling the whole thing at once. Uh, pick one small thing and move that forward and then move another one forward. And and you just keep stacking building blocks. Right. And then the, the trap that you need to avoid is that it's ever done. It's, that's that's one of the most important things when I speak to people about compliance-related issues is you're never finished. Ever. It's a living, breathing thing. And every time you make an operational change or you consider a new product type or you bring on a new customer type, all of those are ripple effects uh-huh. into your compliance safety systems and your safety plans and your protocols. So just, just know that it's it's a journey that never ends and you just keep putting one step in front of the other. Um, and, and then technology plays a role, right? That That's the other part yep. uh, that some of the single state operators are still trying to figure out like the smaller ones that uh, operators that we've talked to that figuring out what solutions to use from a technology standpoint to help and where is a, that's a, a big decision in and of itself because the wrong technology solution can cause you a lot of pain. Oh, yeah. and there's some bad ones, unfortunately, that really, you know, people use because they, they're they all in one, but they don't really handle this area very well. And it's a, and that's a real struggle. So yeah. we're, we're trying to take our time with our customers and just go down that journey with them. And the fun part for me is we've, we're really close to having our complete baseline solution on all of our various modules in place and getting to now optimize the solution to really align with our customers pain points yep. is the coolest part of the journey for me so I'm, uh, I'm really excited where we're headed and you know it really is a uh, a cycle and just like a crop cycle every time you start a new crop every time a new employee starts you're restarting the process and essentially your compliance is back to zero and you're reviewing it iterating it and relearning it every time and reinforcing it. And, you know, outside of the canvas industry, I always look at a company like McDonald's as being absolutely phenomenal because their training program is end to end. Everybody knows what to do. And it's the same sort of process that people in this industry need to follow. How do you, how do you use other industry examples to help you? Yeah. McDonald's is a fascinating uh, example because they, they're really clear on, their identity, both as a, a service provider, but also as like a real estate play, right? Yep. Like they and they're they're very programmatic. We actually, uh, in my previous life, they were a customer at one point, and they're intentional about everything, yes. right? And that would be one of the the first takeaways from from that example to to the operators is just. Be intentional. Don't be reactionary. Uh, the lack of a decision is sometimes the worst one to make. And so just be really intentional with it. And then with our solution uh, and how we're trying to tackle that is templates and the ability to start with a baseline, right? So right. an optimization exercise is change one variable at a time. Don't change every variable at a time. 
because then you don't know what actually moved the needle for you. So we're trying to put a system in place that starts with what we believe is world-class best in practice that you can start with, but then you can start to optimize based on what you're seeing and using and setting internal audit best practices that are around verifying and validating everything. Don't, don't assume, uh, have a process in place that verifies and validates everything and then optimize one step at a time. And that's kind of the the backbone of what our system is hopefully going to allow people to do is, is that. Um, and then that way you can start to look at facility A versus facility B versus facility C and start to see where you have inherent expertise, right? And then leverage the expertise that you have on your teams to bring up the other people in their similar roles. Because peer-to-peer -peer learning, again, it goes back to that idea of culture, becomes really powerful. It does. Um, it does. It's very incredibly powerful because everybody then is supporting each other, helping each other, but understanding how they rely on each other. Chase, we are at the end of our time, but people who want to contact you to learn more about compliance or a compliance management platform for their company and for e-learning for their company, how should they reach you? Yeah. Uh, well, our, our website is rootworks.com and there's opportunities to, to sign up and subscribe to thought leadership blog or, or sign up to learn more about the solution. Or my email address is chase at rootworks.com. And so they're more than welcome to just email me directly. And Great. And Rootworks is spelled with a W-U-R-K-S, not W-O-R-K-S for anybody who's listening. That is correct. All right. Chase, thanks for joining us on the Green Peak this week. It was a really great conversation. Hope to have you on again one of these days. Awesome. Really appreciate the time and, and enjoyed the conversation. Have a great day, sir. Phenomenal. And thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back again with you next week. I'm Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.